Hello everybody, and welcome to episode 26 of Gateway to Cinema, the spin-off of the Farmer Popular Podcast, Reboot Already Underway, the greatest American heroine to the main podcast's greatest American hero. They're doing a, a yeah. reboot, a female-led reboot of that. I so don't know what the first it was. one is, so I'm not really mad about it. It is basically just a show that has the greatest theme song of all time, and that's all you need to know about it. Okay. All right. I'm glad they're going to be bringing it back then. I want to hear that theme song. They'll do a Fallout Boy version of it. Oh, That's what no. they're going to do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I am, of course, your host, Aaron Hahn, joined as always by Jacob Lacey. I don't know. There's no catchphrases in this movie. There are a lot of notable quotes from this movie. Uh, yeah, but I can't remember any of them right now. So we're I, just going to go with... Right. We're going to go with... What are you, some kind of replicant? <laughs> That's my horrible Harrison Ford impression. Yeah, it is indeed horrible. Mm-hmm. Because we are once again talking about one of the films from the list of 100 movies I once made for Lacey to watch. Films that are interesting introductions to the larger world of cinema. And this week, if you couldn't tell, we are talking about the 1982 sci-fi classic with a sequel soon on the way, Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Blade Runner. Oh, so, so uh, I should, yeah, I should it's start talking. Your, okay. your start um, off with your first thoughts. So, a movie that like I've heard of for a long time, and have never really known what it was about or anything. So, I kind of went in pretty blind on this. Even watching the trailers for the new movie, they're very vague. Like, they don't really give anything away for what happened in the previous movie in the trailers for the new one. So I'm like, okay, that's pretty cool that they're doing it that way. Um, But yeah, so like I wanted to see the new one because, I mean, (laughs) it's got Ryan Gosling in it. Also got Harrison Ford, who again Mm -hmm. is my second father figure. (laughs) So... Yes, of course, of course. I'm just going to keep saying it, even though I can tell it makes you uncomfortable. <laughs> um, I, it doesn't make me uncomfortable, I'm just not feeding your delusions. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, God, what show is that? How I Met Your Mother, where Barney thinks his dad is uh, Bob Barker. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so... Not really too much to say about this. I'm just, uh, I really enjoyed it. Thought it was very, very good. A little, not confused, but a little like, am I missing something? Because everyone's like, this is one of the greatest movies of all time. I'm like, it was very good. I enjoyed it a lot. I'm excited to see the sequel. But am I like, this movie changed the way I live? (laughs) Like a lot of people are, I'm like, not quite. But maybe you can uh, you can change my mind on that with some of your thoughts. Maybe, maybe because this is one of my favorite films of all time. Right, it changed like, your life. It, I, I don't know if I would say it changed my <laughs> life, but it is one of my favorite films of all time. Right, and that's one of the reasons why I put it on this list. Mm. Of course, and we're this watching was, the final cut, though. We should probably. Yes. Let people know that. I don't think we did yet. So, 
Oh, yeah, I suppose you're right. So, yes, this is, of course, the final cut that and we are talking about. That's what I told Lacey to watch. In the spoiler section, we should discuss the differences, because I want to know why this one is so superior to the other reasons. Yeah, other we will. Okay. We will. We'll get to that. But just, like, the reasons why I put this on the list. Like, this was a film that I also had heard a lot about before uh, seeing it. And it's, it's weird. I think this is, like, a film that, like, influenced my own art a lot before I even saw it. Like, if that makes sense. <laughs> okay. Because, as, you know, as, like, a child, as I was very much into, like, the noir genre. And I was very much into the science fiction genre. And I would constantly, like, combine them. And, like, I would... I had, like, this series of novels I planned out in its entirety about this detective and the, the you know, a science fiction noir film with, okay. like, in the future and all that. So, it's good to know that I wasn't the only kid who had a series of novels planned <laughs> out before I had even written one. No, the, the, the weird kids are the ones that don't have one. Okay, You know, good. like, if, if, if you so come across someone who didn't... I want to know, I want to know more about Don't this. associate what with them. What did he do? What did your character do in these stories? Because mine were real dumb. He, he he was a detective, and he was investigating the resurgence of like this this terrorist who represented this alien species that like went to war with humanity many years ago, but mm. then humanity like enacted like a genocide against them and wiped Jesus them all out. That's <laughs> really dark. When did you start these? Five years old. I'm oh, you, about you, alien you know, like, like middle school. Like okay. Yeah, they didn't just take your. You went to a very Christian school. They didn't just like take that and be like, "Yo, this kid's writing about genocide." Like, what's going on here? We might need to check and see if this kid's all right. Yeah, yeah. No one checked up on me, so. Uh... Yeah. So now you're you're living completely unchecked, writing about genocide every day of your life, and. Yeah. Yeah. My my. So I, I. Big surprise. I did this thing a lot where I was a kid where I would start a book and then just kind of finish it and just leave it alone and never finish it. So that's what mm -hmm. I was trying to say. Uh, yeah. Right, right. It's almost like I never finish anything. <laughs> also. Some things never change. Dave made a maze. I am Dave in that movie. <laughs> but uh, listen to the Thursday show if you want to. But mine, I had like this big series planned out where I would introduce time travel in the second book. <laughs> <laughs> but it was uh, about paranormal investigators who would go to the most mm -hmm. haunted places and they'd get into some spooky adventures. And this was before I even liked horror things. So I don't know why I came up with this as a thing that I wanted to write, but... I don't know, man. Yeah. Maybe you were, you were influenced by a movie you hadn't seen yet. I, yeah. Just like I was. <laughs> I mean, Conjuring, I guess. Con a movie that wasn't even made yet. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm, it's, I'm just going to go out and say I wrote The Conjuring. So, um, you should join in on that lawsuit. Yeah, uh, excuse me. I, I know, ghosts are real. Um, anyway, so Blade Runner. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Blade Runner. But yeah, th so this was a very much a concept I was very interested in. And then the film just absolutely loved it. You know, loved the set design and the cinematography and the philosophical themes it brings up, the acting's really great, the writing's really great. It's just, it is a like perfect piece of science fiction, or at least the final cut is the perfect piece of fi of science fiction. All right, yeah. All right, sure, so, sure. 
I mean, that's why I put it on the list. So, uh, if you have not seen this film yet, do you recommend it, Lisa? Yeah, oh yeah, totally. This is definitely, again, one of the higher ones on this list. But I just don't think it set my world on fire. And then I was reading a lot of reviews on Letterboxd, and they're like, yeah, it took me like three or four views to really get into. And I'm like, okay, maybe that'll be me. Maybe I just need to let it simmer for a little bit. But Yeah, I think it, I think it took me like two viewings to like fully embrace this film. Okay. Because the first time it was very much, I was like, hey, this is some, like something I would write. And then I was constantly like, but I would write that differently. And I would write that <laughs> oh. differently. So I was kind of like critiquing it more the first time around. Like, and then the second time around, I was like, no, this is a great I'd film. Make t- if I were to write this, I'd make two naked ladies in this scene. <laughs> That's the way I'd write it. <laughs> that, was, that was also in my uh, grade school novel. Yeah. Was that? Just yeah, you ha- it was. Those, are, those who, are my notes. That's who committed the genocide. Just a ton of naked ladies. <laughs> no one checked up on you as a kid, Aaron. It's crazy. And yeah, you know, look how it turned out. So yeah, it's yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, you just have this dark past where you wrote these really horrifying books, <laughs> like really disturbed scenes. Okay. Anyway, uh, so spoilers. It- yeah, highly recommended by the both of us, I guess. So if you have seen this film or just don't care, we're now going to talk about it a little in-depth with spoilers. So, like, Deckard's a replicant, right? Or is he? I, I think he is. There's one line where I was like, okay, that basically says he's a replicant, right? And it's when she's like, have you ever used that machine on yourself? And he doesn't answer the question. So I'm like, hmm... Yeah, I mean, the film definitely gives you tons of hints towards that, yeah. especially the, the final cut version, because uh, one of the differences between the versions is the the dream Deckard has of the unicorn when he like falls yeah, asleep on the piano. That? And st- <laughs> was that like an implanted memory or something? That's, that's the suggestion. So then when okay. he picks up the origami unicorn at the end, it's kind of like, oh, this guy knows what your dreams are about indicating that it's possible that he has the implanted memories and therefore is a replicant himself. So the final cut definitely leans more to that suggestion. Right. And Ridley Scott has gone on record saying that in his vision of the film, Deckard is indeed a replicant. Okay. Now I like that there's that mystery there that could go either way. And that's one of the things that scares me about 2049 is they're going to answer this question and we're going to have to live with this answer. Yeah, I mean, like, as I was, I was actually thinking about this day, I was like, I wonder if it's going to be possible for 2049 to make the story ambiguous in such a way that we still don't know. I wonder, I think that's a possible approach. But again, you also have to, you know, Harrison Ford has obviously aged, his character has obviously aged, and you have to get around the fact that the replicants are supposed to have the short lifespan. So it's like, Right. There is a possibility that they don't confirm anything, but yeah, that's one of my the, one of the most nervous. You know, that's one of the aspects of the sequel that I'm most nervous about is removing that ambiguity. <sighs> yeah, they have to do it right, man, because whew, it's good. It's good. Um, scene I didn't like. The one scene of this whole movie, I'm like, okay, this isn't all right, and it's when. <laughs> Is it when he forces yes. Rachel? Okay, yes. yeah, yeah. So bad. <laughs> no, not not a good scene. But like, 
he's not supposed to really be a sympathetic character anyway. So I think they kind of get away, not like get away with it. I'm not, that's not what I'm trying to say, but like, it's kind of like, okay, he's not supposed to be like a good person. I mean, are any noir detectives good people? I, I don't think so. Like, I can't think of one. I mean, they're in the very much, like, morally gray area, yeah. usually. Like, they they do what it takes to solve the case, kind yeah. of thing. And in this case, it took him to sleep with the replicant It, it didn't take him, but he uh, did anyway. Um, yeah. So that was uncomfortable. Uh, but other than that, <laughs> it's good. It's a good movie. <laughs> um... So I was like, okay, I like the concept. I like that there's four of them. He has to hunt them all down and, you know, take them out. And he takes out the the showgirl one. And I'm like, okay, that was a cool scene. And I'm like, okay, so now we got to have a little bit more buildup before he finds the next one. And then all of a sudden, whoa, no, he's right here. Oh, he's dead now. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, there's that one. He's done. Cross him out. That was kind of a bit weird. I was like, okay. So... They're obviously not trying to hide from him, or else that would have been, like... I don't know. Um, no, I get that. I... I'm trying to think of... I have so many different threads right now, going, like, all over the place of what I want to talk about. So I'm trying to pick one. Um, it's a little difficult when you've got so much to talk about. Um... So, so unicorns. Yes. <laughs> so this guy does origami throughout the whole movie, mm-hmm. and I could never tell what he was making. Is that a problem? Uh, I mean, there's like a tiny little symbolism for each of his little origami things, but it's not like it's an essential part of the movie, except for. That unicorn yeah, at the, the unicorn, end. The unicorn I got, the first one he made, which was like a dove, I understood. But then there's one he makes out of like a matchstick. I'm like, what is that? Is that just supposed to be a stick person? Like, oh, you win. That's a stick person. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> um, so that was, I'm like, okay. All right. I feel like I'm missing something. Um, I don't know. You're going to kill me for saying this. <laughs> uh, go for it. So, did you ever get the moment where, like, I get it, it's a noir film? (laughs) Did you ever, like, have that moment? I mean, like, what exactly do you mean? Like, they just played up the tropes too much? It's just every time Harrison Ford poured himself a drink, I'm like, we get it, it's a noir film. (laughs) Like, they're always alcoholic <laughs> detectives. And I'm like, why are you always alcoholics? I don't get it. Maybe maybe no one should become a detective if that's what it entails, if that's what your life becomes. But they get the job done. I they, mean, they get results, Lucy. I guess. They get results. Yeah. Also, that guy whose skin was weird, I felt bad for him. Mm-hmm. I was like, dude. Come on, man. I felt sad. Also, read something a, quite a while ago that said that this movie and Alien are, like, connected in some way. Like, they're supposed to be in the same universe. There's... 
Yeah, kind of. Like there's there's mm-hmm. hints that that it's it's not like an officially confirmed thing, and like I think the creators had nothing more in mind than just being like, oh, here's a few like Easter egg kind of things. But mm-hmm. now, when I should know this, but what year does Alien take place? I don't know. I'm gonna look it up. But now. This leads to the obvious question. Should there be a crossover? Uh, not at the rate the Alien franchise is going. <laughs> <laughs> but what if it's like, we need you, Deckard, to take out the Alien that get, makes its way to Earth somehow? That would be awful. That, that'd be worse than Alien versus Predator 2. Okay, so here we go. AVP and AVPR take place in 2004? What? Yep. Mm-hmm. Nuh-uh. I've seen yep. both of those movies. They do not take... What? They do. Yes, indeed. Oh, they do. No. Pro- oh, no. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. Okay. Uh, Prometheus takes place in 2093. Oh, dude. <laughs> Do you think there's going to be, like, a reference in 2094 to Prometheus? 2049? Oh, yeah. Whoops. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sorry. That would be cool, though, if it's like, this past year we launched the Prometheus heading out into deep space. Just kind of like a behind-the-scenes, like, just kind of like in the background of the scene. Um, And Alien Covenant in 2104. And Alien in 2122. So... So, quite a ways away. Yeah. Can you tell I like Alien more than this movie? <laughs> that I'm just making an Alien discussion. <laughs> I'm sorry. We'll get back. We'll get back to it. That, that's okay. But this film is superior to Alien. Oh, so. no, that's not true at all. Oh, alright. That's fine, I guess. So, alright. Hit me with more differences between the cuts. I mean, there's really three major differences. Okay. There's, there's a lot of differences, but the, the three major ones are, as mentioned, the inclusion of the unicorn dream, which more heavily suggests that Deckard is a replicant. Then there's a the narration. The original color film has voiceover narration from Harrison Ford. Can you Harrison tell Ford. it's a noir movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like, I'm kind of... On the one hand, I'm like... I understand why they went for narration because that is very much one of those noir conceits, you know, mm-hmm. that the detective is giving his thoughts on the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But if you had heard the narration that they use, it's really bad. Oh. Like, basically, just what it happens is it over-explains the plot and neither Ridley Scott or Harrison Ford wanted it included so Harrison Ford just is so unenthusiastic for the whole thing because he just didn't care and didn't want it at all. I love Harrison Ford so much. He's so bullheaded, but that's just why I love him so much. He's just like, I don't want this. I'm not going to care. Like, um, that and because he's your father. Yeah, and yeah, he's my second father figure. I mean, yeah. Um. Yeah, and then and then the third major difference between the versions is the ending, because the original cut has this 
scene like tacked on to where this version ends where you see uh deckard and rachel like driving in a car on like this sunny field like grassy field and they're just driving over this field and it's like oh hey everything went okay for them that's implying that there are still places that aren't overpopulated i guess yes okay the idea is that like they made it to some kind of idyllic like paradise place on this earth Hmm. that's interesting and so people don't like that either because it removes more ambiguity and it's just cheesy and unnecessary yeah because i kind of took the idea that literally the whole world was like this now just like huge skyscrapers overpopulated because there's tons of lines in it that's like oh is that a real snake and he's like do you think i could afford a real snake work in a, in a place like this like it's like oh like animals are all dead now these are all just replicant <laughs> animals like that's the thing i think this movie does really well is that it is very again show not tell even though like a lot of them are in lines of dialogue but it's not like over explaining like oh man how'd you get an owl i thought those died out years ago that's crazy that's a cool owl she's like oh it's actually a replicant when all the animals died out we had to do all of this (laughs) it's like oh Mm -hmm. no (laughs) let me guess there's probably like harrison ford explanation he's like oh this is a very cool owl i remember (laughs) when the owls died i was 13 (laughs) like oh no (laughs) Um, the machine that he uses, you know, that they use to, like, tell if someone's a replicant, mm-hmm. I, I don't understand. <laughs> like, I don't understand how they know that. I don't think you're supposed to understand. Okay. Like, it, it very much is supposed to be just, like, here's this weird scientific test, but we're not going to give you the exact data for how you figure it out i thought it was supposed to be if their eyes like glaze over because i thought that was an awesome effect like you can tell when someone's a replicant because their eyes like do that glaze over type thing yeah i mean it is supposed to be like measuring their emotional response and then Mm -hmm. studying the eyes because of that effect but and they don't tell us exactly how the machine works yeah i think that's also like strong evidence to him not being a replicant is that Harrison Ford's eyes never do that thing. And literally every other replicant's eyes do that at one point in the movie. So, I think that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's strong evidence on both sides. Yeah, that's why it's, that's, that's why it's fun. That's why it's good, and that's why the sequel, the prospects of a sequel <sighs> makes one nervous. Um, how much involvement does Ridley Scott have in this sequel? I think he was a producer. Okay. So he did kind of oversee a lot of it. All right, well, that's good at least. Um, I have a question. And this okay. movie kind of brought this question to the forefront. I think this is a really great movie. I think Alien is a really great movie. Mm-hmm. I don't like any other Ridley Scott movies. <laughs> And now that's my question. Do you think Ridley Scott's a good director? Or do you think he just made, like, two accident movies? I think he is one of those directors that I would hesitate to call a great director. Mm -hmm. But he is a director who's made great movies. So it's like, where do you 
create your distinctions. But I think he has more good films than just those two. I can't Do you not like uh, Gladiator? I don't like Gladiator. Oh. Okay. I'm sorry. You... <laughs> the Martian you... was like, What's... okay. Oh, The Martian. The Martian what did you think fine, of The Martian? I, I, I was like, okay. I know everyone loves The Martian, but I'm like, it's okay. I'm like, this is not best picture worthy, like everyone's trying to make it out to be. <laughs> no, I didn't think that either. But it, no. like, it, it's a good film. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. But I wouldn't call it a great film either. So, like, that's it's just very straight. It's this is my question. Do you think Colin Trevorrow is the next Ridley Scott, <laughs> or he makes Safety Not Guaranteed? Really he would have to. Movie. He would have to make two great films for that thing. to be the case, there and he has like two good films and one reportedly awful pro-fascist piece of crap film. So pro-fascist, what? Yeah. Does that happen? <laughs> Apparently, in <the> book of Henry. <laughs> I don't know, but that's what I've heard. Oh, okay. Um, also, isn't that the kid from It? Yes. I just noticed that right now. Okay. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, so, Ridley Scott, come on, buddy, just... I, I am kind of glad he did not direct this follow-up, Yeah, which is weird, because, you know, obviously he did such a good job with the first one. But it was an accident, man, I think, I honestly (laughs) believe it was an accident, (laughs) like... Maybe. It's just like, oh, wow, I, I made a movie everyone loves. Either that or he just bought into all of the hype and was like, yeah, I'm one of the greatest directors ever. I made Alien and Blade Runner. Everyone loves me. Here's Prometheus. Here's Alien Covenant. Oh, no, Ridley. Right, that's why I don't want him to be in charge of the Blade Runner follow-ups. Because mm-hmm. he's, George not, Lucas he's not doing so hot with the Alien ones. God, could you imagine a Denis Villeneuve alien movie? Do you know how amazing that might be? If he were to be like, yo, I'm going to make Alien Covenant 2. <laughs> anyway, back to Blade Runner. Yes. Um, I, it's also a movie that I didn't, and maybe you'll disagree with this, I thought wasn't super showy, if that makes sense. There wasn't, like, this, like, I don't know. Whenever I hear people talk about this movie, they're always like, man, one of the greatest sci-fi movies. So much amazing imagery. So much great visual effects and all that. And I'm like, mm-hmm. there's some good moments, but it's never, like, I'm, maybe this is just me crapping all over Ridley Scott again. But it's never, like, super well-directed, if that makes sense. It doesn't make sense because this is a very well-directed movie. <laughs> okay, well maybe I'm with just a lot wrong of it. striking visual imagery. So I mean, like, yeah, there's like some good parts. And they always they focus on that blimp like three times, and I really want you to tell me what that means because I felt like I was supposed to be getting something from that. Like, oh, the it, blimp passes over three times. What does it mean? I I'm sorry, I don't have a. Oh, oh, so you're telling me you're not a scholar on this movie, Aaron? <laughs> I didn't. I haven't studied the use of blimps. The in, use of uh, blimps. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean I'm. I'm. 
I'm being overly hard on this on this movie, I think. Just because I think maybe because I heard it was so great for so long and then watching it I'm like, yeah, I really enjoyed that. But I don't know, guys. I don't think it's like it's not even Ridley Scott's best movie, so I would encourage rewatching this film yeah. at some point. I think for I sure. probably will. I might watch it another time before twenty forty nine. Like maybe the week before. Well, maybe no, don't rewatch it that quickly. But no, we'll see. Well, no, probably not. We'll see. Um, I'm excited though. Like I watched it, and I was like, "This is an interesting world. I'm really interested." And oh, here's one thing. This is something I actually was confused about. I thought they wanted all replicants dead, but apparently just these specific four. Yes. I got the impression that they're like, all replicants are evil and must be destroyed. But I don't know why. Is that like, the opening no. like words that flash on the screen or whatever were a little confusing, I think. Confusingly it's, worded. It's like, uh, yeah, I can understand that, but it's more just like the replicants who escape and, you know, get out of their confinement and stuff like okay. that. Because I, I under, from what I understood, I was like, oh, they sent all of the replicants up to work on this thing. But it wasn't all of them. It was just some of them. And I was like, okay. Once I realized that, it made a lot more sense. I'm like, because, like, oh, that lady with the black hair. I forget her name already. Main lady. Um, I'm like, she's obviously a replicant. And he's like, oh, yeah, it took, a, it took me like 100 questions to figure out she was a replicant. And it's like, so she's a replicant. Why aren't you shooting her? Shoot her. She's a replicant. I'm so confused. Like, why aren't you killing her? And then eventually I was like, okay, only these four. <laughs> that makes a lot more sense now. Yeah, and then they eventually do want to kill her, but, like, only after she also, like, escapes and rebels. Right, right, right. Now, you know I should have used this, this quote. This is a good quote. Was, it's too bad she won't live, but then again, who really does? Or won't survive or something to that effect. You know it better than me. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, but that is a good quote. I love yeah. that moment. And that's just another hint that, like, yo, you a replicant, bro. Mm -hmm. But then, are they planting false memories in his head to make him think he's a replicant? I don't know. Maybe we'll find out. Also, where's Replicant Lady in Blade Runner 2049? We'll probably find out. I want to know. She was cool. She does that thing where she lets her hair down and tries to look like his dead wife. And I'm like, this isn't all right. That's really mean. <laughs> like, I know, like, he's not a good guy either, but don't be mean. <laughs> like, oh, now I look like your dead wife. What are you trying to accomplish? <laughs> Why? <laughs> this is just mean. Oh, uh, yeah. So, one thing I do want to make sure we touch upon. Okay, because I've just wrap been scattershot pretty hard this episode, so. That's, that's fine. I mean, you're just giving your first impressions with this movie, so yeah. whatever you have. But what did you make of the, like, final, not the final monologue, but Roy's final monologue on the rooftop? It's real good. It's real good, isn't it? It's real good. That that is that I can't believe I didn't talk about this yet. Actually, that's definitely the high point of this movie. Is that definitely. he's like you're like afraid of this person 
You're like, this man is, or this replicant is a maniac. <laughs> like, busting through walls and stuff. And then he, like, saves him. And he just is, like, totally normal. He's like, yeah, saved you. Uh, now you know what it, it, your fear, you now you know what it, like, I can't get this quote right, but I'm going to get it. <laughs> it's like, okay. um, living in fear, now you know what it feels like to be a slave or something to that effect. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's, it's such a great scene, though, because it just recontextualizes the entire movie in mm-hmm. just, like, that brief instant when all we're saying, like, these people are, like, suddenly the most sympathetic characters in the movie, these replicants. Right. Because they literally never try and attack him. The only mm-hmm. time they try and attack him is when they're fighting back. And, like, you don't really picture that when you're watching it. Because the whole time you're like, these are the bad guys. Gotta get the bad guys. And the one girl just runs away. And she doesn't try to attack him or anything. She's just like, yo, I just want to... I think she was a stripper. I think that's what we're trying to get yes. from that. Yeah. She just wants to strip in peace. Just let her strip in peace. And then it's like, oh, she's going to die soon anyway. So, And then uh, the guy who looked like uh, who looked like the psychiatrist in Until Dawn. I don't think it was him, though. Sure, I've never played Until Dawn. Yeah, oh, God. Um, but he, like, pulls him aside and he's, like, yelling at him. He's like, why did you attack that? the stripper girl she was a nice girl and then he starts to try to attack him and he's like no now i gotta fight back <laughs> and, it's like, and then you know and then pris i think her name was mm-hmm. she like she does do a bit of a preemptive attack but only because she's like he's gonna kill me anyway so i might as well like, kill two of them at that yeah, point so yeah. it's like and then it's like this dude's like i'm gonna die soon and like I'm going to save you. I'm going to let you know. And like, hey, we're pretty cool people if you got to know us. But you didn't. You killed us. All of us. And that's how it ends. That's the end of the movie. That's like one of my favorite scenes in all of cinema. Yeah. Oh, I, I It's that I rooftop ending. Yeah. I'm like tears in the rain, Aaron. Like tears in the rain. It's powerful stuff. It is, yes. Um, Sorry, I was trying to think of some clever way to transition from moments being lost in time to being, our time is up and we're going to move on. Oh my god, yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean... But I didn't come up with the clever thing, so I'm just going to be like, where did you place this in your ranking? That's a good question. I can start, I put this... You want me to answer it? Oh, oh no. I don't have an answer yet, so how about you go first? I'll, I'll go first. I put this sixth after RoboCop before Psycho. After RoboCop before Psycho. <laughs> RoboCop is a masterpiece. I obviously don't agree, but as far as like movies that are, like, are some of your favorite of all time, I think that we're two for three, I think, on this. What's the... Was it Nightmare on Elm Street? Yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street. I think we're two for three on on the ones that I agree with you, that they're super great. Um, Even if I'm not like, you know... I mean, again, RoboCop, I think, is good. (laughs) 
<laughs> I feel like I have to re, re like say this, re say this, repeat this every time. But all right, so Gateway to Cinema ranked. I'm going to put Blade Runner. Let's see, it's better than Blade. So there's that. So there's three Blades: Blade Runner. Yes, Blade the, the best movie with Blade in its name. Yeah, so we it can has all agree that on that. Going for it. I'm gonna put it. All right, I'm gonna put it. Hmm. All right, I got it. I'm gonna put it number twelve. Behind Psycho, before Django Unchained. Okay. I can I can live with that. I suppose. Okay. All right. And I can like it, but I can live with it. Again, I I'm going to have to give this a couple of rewatches. And uh, everything on this list is good, besides Blade and Blade 2. Well, Blade 2 is all right. <laughs> but. Yep. So, next time, we will be covering a film. <laughs> wow, really? We've never done that before. <laughs> all right, so next week, to celebrate the release of Lego Ninjago, we're going to be looking at a, a different team of swordsmen. We're going to be looking at Seven Samurai. <laughs> uh, Aaron, I've already seen this movie, and it's called The Magnificent Seven, so I don't think I need to watch I mean, this. you're right, though. Like, do you realize that you're right, yeah, that it's no, the I same know. movie? Okay. Yeah, I, yeah, I know that. Because we, we talked about it, because Magnificent Seven was a remake of The Magnificent Seven, which was a remake of Seven Samurai. So. Well, yes, so that's what we will talk about next week. All right, another foreign uh, movie. It, we getting there. We're getting those indeed. out of the way. Good, guys. Chip those away as well. Yeah. So if you want to find us around the web, you can find uh, David from the main podcast. I don't know why I'm starting with him this week, but you can find him yeah, I think you always on do. Twitter at dbex15, dbex with two S's. If you want to find Lace around the web, you can find him at Jake underscore Lace on Twitter. You can find him at Jake Lace on Tumblr. Uh, want to plug anything? Um... Yeah, so the project I've been teasing for a long time, I have three parts of it done out of five, but I want to write a review for it. So I'm going to put the it review out this week, and then the next week will be the big project. So, yeah, it's confusing. I understand that. But it will be out next week. But the it review might be up by now. It'll either go up uh Monday or Wednesday. So we'll gotta watch that Bojack though. I do. So I might just not write a review tomorrow. Watch Bojack. <laughs> wake up early, binge Bojack, and then write it on Wednesday. <laughs> anyway, if you want to find me around the web, you can find me at Little Flamed on Twitter. You can find me at this cover blog name. It's already taken.tumblr.com. Uh my review for it is up there. So for what? For it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And if you want to find the podcast around the week, you can find us at Reboot Already On on Twitter. You can find us at Facebook. Give us a like for news and new episodes. And check us out on SoundCloud and iTunes. Give us a good review if you like what we say. Yeah. I yeah. do. I do like what you say. Did you like that part about my childhood novel? Should I? I yeah, resurrect that. I really like that part because it made me feel less weird for always planning out novel. 
Dude, I had, like, the final book of the series, like, how it would start kind of planned out, too. And I don't know why I... This is my problem, and it's gone into my adulthood, where I'm always thinking, like, three projects ahead of the first one, and I'm like, this is how this will end. And I'm like, I haven't even started I, it No, yet. I did the same thing. I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> like I said, I had this trilogy planned out, and I knew how it was going to end. Yeah. And the last book was going to end with the main character, or the last book was going to start with the main character of the previous three books being killed. And then it would be them trying to solve his murder, but there would be ghosts in it as well because they're paranormal activity people. <laughs> and on that note, uh, <laughs> that's all. <laughs> all right, cool. Uh, until next time. Don't think it. Don't say it. Bye-bye, man. Yeah. Bye-bye.